notes. Cool. So what we're going to do is we're just going to review the last seven classes we, we had together. And I kind of wanted to leave it open to you guys to ask questions, kind of making this thing make sense. Um, I mean, every class is a continuation of the last. I mean, this is, this is very thematic, this course. Very Lord of the Rings. You can't miss number two. You got to see all three. The extended cuts included. Right. Right. I see that movie. That's rough. You're missing out. Or read the book. Okay. So our our start. You can let yourself out. You can let yourself out. Yeah. So we're gonna start out all the way back to class one, where we tackled the easy topic of the meaning of life. And what I presented to you guys was the idea. It's rooted. It's coming out of the thinking of the Ramchal and his, and his uh, Talmud Ashlag, is that the, the meaning of life is learning how to love. Something along the lines of this idea of, you know, before we were created, God just was just loving, 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 loving us, and we didn't know how to interpret it. It's kind of like imagining some stranger off the street just coming up behind you, giving you a big hug, and telling, telling you, I love you. Run. That's Run. scary. Right, that's scary. How do you interpret that? You know, love out of love out of context is scary. Because a part of love means you have to be vulnerable. But in order to be vulnerable, I mean, that's a skill. It's a skill you learn. It's something you have to. It's so weird that we learn it in God. It's like innate. Something. It's something. God doesn't have to be vulnerable though. But we certainly he's got to be like, like why, who is he being why, vulnerable to? Why can't we just innately just love? I'm sorry, I said it so weirdly. So, 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 so what Hashem did? He said, "Okay, great, double, you know, double take. Clearly, you guys need to have a world to learn how to love." And so we were created to live in this world to figure out what love is, so that when we die and we go back to Hashem, we'll be able to recognize the fact that He loves us. How come we've been around for so long and still don't know what it is? God, I, am I, more, I, I, I am more damaged than I thought I was. Well, love, I mean, it, it, number one, it's not something that you're, you're, I mean, each one of us has to learn it individually, and it's, love is complex. Okay, but what if love burns love you so you complex. never want to love again? Then you're going to fail in life. But it wasn't love that burned you as a person. No, that's an easy, Let's easy, easy. you fall for some disgusting easy, easy human answer, right. of a person, and now you're just well, like. Well, again, that wasn't love that hurt you as the person. But now you're scared to open up yourself again because this guy is just a disgusting human being. You're going to have a hard I'm life. Disgusting. No one else tell you. You're going to have a hard life. That's I mean, this is why I got to this spot. What so is love? Right. You can already. And, and, and the idea that love is, <laughs> love is so complex, you need an entire lifetime to figure that one out. Okay. Do you think people ever learn how to love fully? Yeah. Like, wholeheartedly? Sure. Do you think that they can love? Yeah, wives. I think you could love too. So what? So <laughs> no, but things that they can like love their wives. Or things they talk to their wives. Yeah. What? Do you know? What was I saying? So you created this world for us, so that in the next world we can recognize that like it was that, all that love. God that God loves us. This is the love lab. It's kind of like there was a researcher. His name was John Gottman. He's like one of the premier researchers in uh, marital therapy. 
And so he, what he ended up doing, because there was a lot of really crazy therapies for marriage. I mean, they had that one guy, you know, his idea was this sort of like catharsis experience where he'd bring couples in, give them foam bats and, and encourage them. Well, you know, the problem of love must be you guys are, are just resentful and not being honest with each other. So here, you guys take out your rage on one another, be as completely honest as you can. And so they were, they, the therapy was basically the, the couple yelling at each other and hitting each other with these foam bats. Surprise, surprise, it didn't work, you know? It's a, it's a shocker. And, but what's, what's, funny, what's funny about it is, well, like, this guy wasn't an idiot. I mean, it wasn't completely, uh, and I'm saying it in a funny way, but, you know, he, he wasn't completely obvious this was a dumb idea. There's something to that, being filled with resent and not saying what needs to be said. I mean, that is the heart, oftentimes, of a bad marriage. There was something to that. Just maybe the foam bats and the whole anger thing was going a tad overboard. So what John Gottman did was he, he basically he, he, he got an apartment, rigged the whole thing with all sorts of sensors and video cameras, and he'd invite couples in and just watch them. So he had thousands and thousands of people in this apartment with, with footage to see, well, what do they act like together? And he was taking readings of their heart rate and how much Wait, they're sweating. Wait, he really his empty apartment for an hour? Oh, the hour, weeks, sometimes a month. Like the people but did they know they were being yeah. they would move in? They, knew, yeah. they knew they, they were being watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then how do you, you don't act the same when you know you're being watched? The first ten minutes, and then people start. Right, acting the normal. first first two days, and then once you're living there for a year. It's about ten, it's about it's a, no, it's, a, it's about yeah, it's about ten minutes, and then people people loosen up and act normal. You know, it's like whatever. So. You know, he collected a lot of really great data, and he learned, well, what, what behaviors actually make a good marriage? What behaviors actually ruin a marriage? And it was as simple as that. It made great, great therapy. Well, like, God's like that. God's putting us in the love lab, you know, put, getting us in his apartment, and he's watching us, and we're, we're going through the trial of figuring out, well, what, what does love, he's always watching what does love look like? What, what is love? And that's the whole game. That's the whole game. It's like a hard class to have after having a whole class and suffering. Yeah. Why we die? Because you must. So halacha, then, halacha is a map of meaning. Halacha is a map of meaning that the, the whole purpose of, 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 of halacha is trying to reduce the complexity of the world, to simplify the complexity of the world, to enable you with a tool to be able to better figure out this crazy idea called love. And to act out halacha is acting out love in all of its different forms. And every halacha, in one way or another, is a piece to that puzzle of what love is. Okay. okay. We talked a little bit about, yeah, after, your, after your class, you know, why people suffer. We touched on human suffering. And oh my I, God, I'm, I, I can't. I know, it's too, it's too much. Well, I offered the ideas, you know, the, the idea that that you know, God created a world that works. There is cause and effect. And just like you know, someone who touches a hot oven will get burned, well, there are certain things that we do in our lives on an emotional level and a spiritual level that will also burn us. Not because God hates us, not because he's out to get us, but in order to create value. And this is the problem. How do you create value? Well, value is a, value is a dangerous thing. Because it gives meaning, it gives purpose, but simultaneously is a judge. Because every time you don't live up to your value, it's judging why didn't you do it. And the more that a person doesn't live up to their values, the more they're being judged. It's like the, the, the more judgment that comes into life, at a certain point it just kind of like flips. 
into excruciating pain. Because values judge, and that's what they do. So, what, like you said, like, spiritually yeah. you touch something hot and it's the cause and effect, but what happens, like, you know, like, I just think that some things like art like that. In a sense, yeah, I'm going to talk about suffering again, because, like, yeah. you know, yeah. all in my mind. It's on your mind well, for like, some reason. I don't know, random. How could you not, you're right. But, like, when, if a child suffers, what did they necessarily touch in like a spiritual realm and the spiritual realm that was hot that would lead them to get burnt like that give me the case um i don't even know there's so many a child that is abused right what did they do as a child to deserve that or yeah it's not about deserving or like just a cause and effect what a child do i'll it's like all these problems i don't have to be religious and answer because no, it's not even that. Like, yeah. a child that's, let's say, sexually assaulted. Right. But, like, there can be a cause and effect for a few things, but if a child is just, like, like, just different, like, how does that, and what, well, like, how? Yeah, like, like I said, like, purely from a psychological perspective, like, there are causes for those things. Those things are explainable. They're, they're hard and rough and, like, it's like, geez, you don't wish that on anybody. But, like, they don't, it's not like they don't make sense and i don't mean rational rationalization i don't mean i don't mean i don't mean intellectually you know i'm not talking from like a moral perspective but it's like like inter- intergenerational problems build and that's the whole story of barashis the world is getting worse and worse in the story of barashis because like what are what we do what our actions create actually create something you know like that's part. That's part of the. That's part of life. That's not. That's not a religious question either. That's just a question everyone has to experience. You know, it's and it's hard. And what Chazal do is they 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 don't answer the question. That's what's most irritating about any sort of source you'll ever read. Is like, well, that's an answer that doesn't solve the problem. It's because the problem can't be solved. You learn how to hold pain. That's the best you do. Because life has pain. Because the moment you have pain, that means you have value. Like, they just have to go together. The best you can do is hold... Why does pain bring value? I'll put it in a different way. You know, know, a lot of times people have a hard time with the idea that the good they do is worth something. Or there's value in in, in, in living a noble life, let's say. You know, you get in debates with people about the meaning of life and, you know, I mean, you've probably had these conversations. I've never had a conversation where somebody didn't, didn't, you know, that tried to sell the idea that pain was meaningless. Everybody finds meaning in their pain. If you didn't find meaning in your pain, it would just be some sort of neutral response like, got whacked, who cares? But it's like, a child being abandoned means there's a value there. Children shouldn't be abandoned. Why shouldn't children be abandoned? Because parents should take responsibility for their kids and love them and help them grow. That's the value behind that pain. You can't have one without the other. And the tragedy of life is life also is not tragic. That's the tragedy of life. You can't escape tragedy because you can't, ex- you can't escape meaning. They always go together. Yeah, it's a lie, I know. Well, that was it. We're done with that part. Move it, move it right along.
moving right along. The trick also, though, I think the, the takeaway, okay, and I'm really done after this, is that the, the takeaway, and it's, it's a paradox, and like the, the, the more person's willing to hold their pain, the less suffering it is. That's the paradox. What do you mean by hold their pain? That's, that's, every, that's every chazal, is, is trying not to explain why there is pain, but trying to give a, a life philosophy or like some instruction on how to hold it. Because when something bad happens to you... Doesn't holding it mean not moving on? No. Holding means that you're willing to experience it. You know, I mean, from a biological perspective, you know, at the the emotional focus therapist, they have a good uh, a good phrase, a good way of putting it is that the only way for for the only way to leave an emotion is to arrive at an emotion. That's the way they put it. And the meaning behind that is that you know we have normal biological processes, we have feelings, we have thoughts, and the more that we make them a taboo, well, we we end up not being able to learn from them. Okay. You, you, you know, memory. This is a good way of thinking about, you know, memory is, you know, the way people think about memory is that it's all, you know, it's like a history book. That's a, that's a common way of thinking about memory. And you look at your past as like the history book of you. And that is just so not the way memory works on a biological level. You know, generally speaking, the things you remember in your past are the, thing, are the problems in your life you haven't or yet developed good answers for. Like memory's function is so you have a better future. That's what memory does. And the only way that you can actually get those answers to move on in life is you have to be willing to hold the thing, examine the thing, accept that it's there. And then the memories get a lot easier. And then sometimes you don't even notice them. But it's a paradox. You have to be willing to remember something in order to forget it. That's, that's kind of the way it works. I read this whole thing. Actually, it was just like in a book, but yeah. they happened to have brought up pain. Mm -hmm. And they were just saying like the different ways to deal with pain. And he was saying like, um, some people don't. I can like read it actually. Because I have it on my phone. It was like, um, if you can learn to endure pain, you can survive anything. Some people learn to embrace it, to love it. Some endure it through drowning and it's up in... Some endure it by drowning it in sorrow or by making themselves forget. Others turn it to anger. But yeah. like some people have become hate and let it consume them until they, they become something else entirely. Yeah. From a psychological perspective, that's, that's avoidance. It's, like, it's called the boomerang effect. The more you avoid something, you can't suppress thoughts and you can't suppress feelings. The more you try, they actually come back four times as hard. Yeah. You know, like that's the, you can't, you can't escape it. Yeah, but it's, it's more holding. That's what I mean by holding it. it. Exactly, that's what I mean by holding it. So it's like Chazal, you know, the... the Rabbis with the white beards are never giving you an answer why there's pain. They're giving you a way to deal with it and hold it so it doesn't destroy your life. You know, that's, okay. that's, that, that's worth something. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Um, how would you say people let go of uh, pain or memories? They take, what, they take what they need to learn from them. So you take like the meaning from it? Take the meaning from it. You take what's most important to learn from that. And if it's not going away, it means you haven't you haven't exhausted what you need to learn from uh, learn learn about it. You know, or you're oftentimes people get too caught up on certain details. It's like OCD generally. It's like getting caught up on a on a couple of details, and you don't get a full story. You don't get the full picture of the experience. So it's like spinning your wheels. You never move. You never move. 
Yeah, I feel bad for you guys. If you have a class about suffering, man. Like, I'm the last person you want to be hearing right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. We moved on from there, and we hit the Medr- Medrash in Gemara Nida. That was... It was the measures about you know learning the whole Torah before before being born, oh, yeah, yeah. right? And what we took out of that was that there was it was basically like describing the three fundamental levels of man, you know, uh, about a person's behavior, thoughts, and beliefs. The idea of you have to behave righteously and not wickedly, okay. and the idea behind that is that you know behavior changes us on a genetic level. That was the the takeaway from that. What we do defines who we are. Second point was that you have to think that even if the whole world considered us righteous, we have to treat ourselves as we're wicked. And the whole point there was, no, you're not supposed to think that you're evil. That's silly. But you can only judge yourself based on yourself. You always have room to grow. You always have room to grow. So it's like, if you always have room to grow, how do you define that? It's like, it makes more, the, the wording makes more sense. If you've got infinite growth, well, you have... You have, uh, you have infinite room to grow, you know? It, it almost becomes meaningless, the term, righteous or wicked. But you always have to judge yourself vis-a-vis yourself. That was what we took out of that. And that's right. We believe that God and every spiritual force, including your neshama, is tahor, is pure. Did we bring up demons for that? No. Really? Yeah, might as well. Throw them in. But the idea, the idea there is now we have we have a little bit of paradox. That on the one hand we're saying yeah you're wicked, but wait a minute you're tahor. Like how does that one work out? So I, I presented to you guys the idea of the difference between a religion and an ideology. Yeah. You liked that. I did. I liked that a lot. An ideology is something that is only half of a story, whereas a religion is something that is 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 helps a person hold paradox. Value and pain is a paradox. You know, life and death is a paradox. Good and bad is a paradox. And yeah, it's all... It, 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 and the, the, the goal of life is learning how to hold those things. It's learning how to hold those things. So, give yeah. us like the secret on how to hold all of the things. Without yeah. exploding from holding too much. The belief there's never too much. Be willing to hold it. That you so good. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that's it. No, but it's hard, man. Like, that's, but that's a scary thing to say to someone. It's like you know, you know, but you know, you know, you know why though? I mean, like, we get fooled by our experiences in the world, like the external world we live in. Well, of course you fix problems. Like that's the best way to live. You get rid of problems. We're trained into thinking that way. You know, if it's raining, get an umbrella. If it's cold. Get a jacket. So you know, we're trained to avoid pain, and that's a great idea. Just the only catch is the internal world of emotion and thought do not work that way. So if it's raining, you want me to just walk in the rain? Exactly, right, right. No, of course not. Of course not. But the internal world, <laughs> the internal rainy day, there's no umbrella that will save you. I you know? all drugs, weed. Yeah, it doesn't work either. You become. You can become. It's called Zoloft, actually. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work either. <laughs> anyway, continue. It doesn't work either. Are you sure about that? Let's just try. So we we took from this medrash a couple different points. And number one was that this is the basis of how you should treat yourself. You can always grow. You are Tahor. You're you have a purpose in the world that you need to act out. You're on a hero's journey. That's, that's it. That's how you need to look at yourself. And every day is the same, the same thing. 
facing the hardships, rising to the challenge, and being a bigger person than you were yesterday. That's what that mentor is teaching. In the way that you behave, in the way that you think, and how you believe, how you believe of what you believe about yourself and other people. We also took out this, uh, took out of that measure this idea, you know, because the, you know the angel taps you on the on the lip, you know, and you you know you, you learn all the Torah, but it's forgotten. Is that the the, ex, the the whole exercise of learning Torah is not something you are learning as much as you're discovering, it's something it intuitively makes sense as you're going through life. We also we also kind of opened up, you know, playing around with this idea of paradox. The paradox is is the basis of our biology. We we hung out in in uh, neurobiology land for oh, a yeah. while of the left hemisphere and life and the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of the brain. That's right. We are both predators and prey biologically. We we on the one hand are able to feel you know left left hemisphere uh, emotions of you know positive emotions, joy and love. And the right hemisphere, that's where you get all the negative emotions of terror and sadness. The left hemisphere, like that, that's that's the predator side of you. You know, you're you know, you're you're assessing the world, you're looking at data, you're you're that's the linguistic side of the, of a person. Nice. There's the right hemisphere. Is more more looking at uh, looking at patterns, not collecting the whole the whole picture. It's more like it's it's not it's not looking at the picture in detail. It's trying to get a, a more general picture of what's in front of you, you know, and that's what keeps you alive, enabling you to make quick split second decisions. What we kind of took out of this is that there's actually this idea of of, of different yous. In the sense of you know a lot of a lot of people kind of think of themselves as I and only I, but you're not. It's not you're not you're not a whole individual. You're, there are different parts of you, and it comes out more dramatically. You know, I shared with you the research on on split the split brain research with yeah. people who are epileptic, and you know, yeah. they, and it was like there are different parts of you, and and what what we kind of ended up figuring out over there with that research is that a lot of the rationalizations that we make in life are exactly that. They're rationalizations. We create, we, we have post hoc uh, excuses that justify ourselves to society. You're right, exactly. I want to, yeah, that was great. I wanted, I want to get a soda. And then you don't want to get a soda. It's just you, you were instructed and didn't realize it. You missed a lot. I feel kind of bad. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And that was all hot and heavy in the I'm beginning. I'm still so processing it's like, last class. Man, it's all good. It is, it is not all good. I'm fine. Totally fine. Okay. And so, I mean, it, 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 it kind of presented this sort of, you know, system of where we kind of have to take into consideration. We have the paradox of life is built into our biology. We're predator and prey. We're selfless and selfish. We're Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov. And it's like, they're, they're almost like, they're kind of amoral. It's, you have to have the whole that's package. Paradox, right. Paradox, and Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov, they need both. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, the idea. So yeah, go for, for it. Oh, okay. It's all about, like, Mashiach and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, would we, we need our Yetzirah because it's our predatory side that keeps us going, but would we have that when Mashiach comes? Well, I'm saying that I think they're different. I don't think they're the same thing. 
I don't think they're the same thing. I mean, I think the Yates Hara is more uh, a survival tool. So, in, in, I don't need to survive. Essentially, I don't need to survive. I'm just fine. And that's what the answer heart has a purpose in this world. You need to survive. There's things that can... They, man, we keep getting back to pain. There are things that can hurt you, so you got to watch out. you got to survive. Like That's a part of life, man. It's a bad follow-up. No, I like, no, I like this follow-up. I like this follow-up. Before, I was just like... Before, I was like, pain and death, enjoy it. Now we're like... And you know, and that's an ideology. I mean, if a class being presented that way, you know right off the bat that's an ideology. It's only half the story. Yeah. Period is half the story. You can't. You can't talk. I mean, I was. Ta- I was kind of. Right now, you're trying to. I was. I was. I was, I was joking. I was. I was joking with my wife about like what would be my last class here, you know? And it would really be like yeah. everything. No, no. It was like everything I taught you guys. The opposite is why there's suffering. That's really it. I'm giving some really positive class. Like the first class, I got a little hot heavy. Right now, I am. But like, all the classes are nice. Basically, it's yeah. like here's a good message. Here's how you live your life well. This is how you order yourself like the yourself in the world. Science, yeah, getting yeah, science behind it. I mean, this is a lot of cool stuff. But like the uh, the, <laughs> the 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 uh, the other side of it is, and if you don't do it, then what? You know, you all burn in hell. No, you no. just suffer Blue? needlessly. You develop resentment, and you develop, you, you end up carrying your toxic hate, and man, that sucks. And it's like most, prob- most problems are really of our own creating, not everything. And we, you know, later we had that example of, you know, even things that look like that are natural disasters. I gave Hurricane Katrina as an example. That, that, was, that was not a natural disaster. That was people being lazy. You know, people knew every about 100 years there was going to be a level 5 hurricane. Also, aren't hurricanes they just dis- supposed to, like, they're there for balance. They're supposed to create, like... Yeah, aren't they good for global warming? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean you know, I'll even say, like, like right there, that's, that's a great example of ideology. Is like, you know, you hear about, you know, um, conservation and, like, Mother Earth is presented as, like, the thing which you have to protect. But I think, like, Mother Earth is also simultaneously doing a really good job of trying to kill everybody. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. And you know what? I also believe in not dying because of climate change and not dying because, you know, it's like you got to, you have to struggle with it is my point. You know, like, okay, so maybe we shouldn't have nuclear reactors or maybe we should because, like, nature is simultaneously allowing us to live and is killing us. It's like, it's half the story, environmentalism. That's the point I'm making. It's half the story. So you have to have the whole story. You know, if nothing else. I like aerosols. I will not stop using aerosols. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we moved on to Hilchos Beidam Lechavero. And the idea over there was that, well, most other things when it comes to, to you know, halachas regarding God and, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, even, you know, there's a lot of things that can be legislated. You can make a lot of laws for things. But human, human relationships are so complex, it's impossible to outline everything. So we need, some, we need some guiding lights to help us make those choices for ourselves. How to figure out how to properly treat other people. So even though we have a mitzvah sase of Avshalich or Halach what Chazal ended up doing, oddly enough, is they doubled back and they made derabunnins that are those derisas. You don't have that in halacha. It's a weirdo thing to do. You know, the, as a, as a, as a, as a muscle for that, it would kind of be like, this isn't the case, but just like it's the similar ideas. Like, you know, there's a prohibition. You have to keep Shabbos. And it would be like the rabbis coming along and making a derabunnin of borer. 
It's like, but Borer is actually keeping Shabbos. It's not a Darabunin. Like, they're the same thing. Yeah. That's exactly what Chazal did here. So it wasn't so much that their agenda was just to make Darabunins because it's fun, but to try and enable us to, to have direction in how to treat other people. And they created three specific Darabunins. One was Biker Cholin, the beginning of life. Lady gives birth, she's a chola, you gotta take care of her. It's a mitzvah sase of, of loving another person, you gotta help them out. And that's why we have all these nice, you know, you know the communities come together, they take care of, of women who get post birth, like very supportive, you know, visit the sick. Hachnas is kala, getting married. And nichum avelim, of visiting people when someone's passed away. And like the common theme of these things is, well, this is, this is the story of life from cradle to grave. We are born, we get married, and then people pass away. And the way you treat other human beings is you have to be willing to go on their journey of life, to carry their suffering, to be with them in that life, in that journey. That's how you're supposed to be with other people. And if you're not willing to do that, well, man, you're not keeping Beinah Mechavero. The other thing Chazal threw at us was this idea of, well, you know, we have to kind of deconstruct halacha a little bit into categories because while it's true there's a lot riding on us in figuring out how to treat people in a a good way, in a responsible way, where we are going on that journey with them, well, it is a God thing too. So I presented this idea that... As far as, you know, revelation is concerned, what we receive from Harsinai are things that are hukim, halachas that they defy being explained. The idea behind that is that, yeah, the Torah makes a lot of sense. It is based on human reason. And we have to throw in little uh, uh, reminders. Wait a second, this is God's house. This is God's law. You can't always figure it out. You can't figure out God. So no matter how reasonable the halacha is, whatever, you know, as far as, you know, thou shalt not kill, you go through the halachas long enough, you'll find one halacha in that, in that world that just doesn't quite make sense. Had the other, other type of revelation was things that you'd have to live longer than you actually do to figure out. And that was the Hurricane Katrina example. It's like, no one was expecting a level 5 hurricane. Unless if you were a meteorologist and you knew, well, it happens once every 100 years. But you'd have to live long enough to appreciate that. So everyone's screaming it's a natural disaster. No, it's not. That's a human disaster. That's laziness because they didn't, they didn't build the... They didn't, they didn't build the... Um, the, 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 the dikes in such a way to prevent a level 5 hurricane. That's a people problem. But you'd only know it's that. It's a you problem. It's a you problem. <laughs> but you'd only know that if you'd live long enough to figure that out. We moved, we moved on that, you know, what, what religion in general, revelatory uh, uh, knowledge, you know, Harsini stuff, what that gives us is stability and trust. That religion, by definition, what its function is, it's not its purpose, but its function, is it actually makes our lives stable, that we have a map of meaning, that we are, yes, constantly confronted with hardships in life, and it does make us afraid, it does cause us pain. That's how we all respond when we're in the unknown. 
I kind of gave you a different way of looking at emotions as being less of something you are and more like seeing. Emotions are like seeing. It's just another source of data. Being happy means you're safe and calm. Being angry means there was an injustice. Something wrong happened, you want to correct it. Being sad means you lost something. The feelings are information, just like seeing. So like, man, you want to pay attention to what you're feeling just the same way as you want to pay attention to what you're seeing. No one crosses the street without looking both ways. So don't cross the street without feeling both ways either. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. That's all about that. It's all about the acceptance we were talking about earlier. If you're not willing, if you're not willing to feel, well, you're you're missing out on a lot of life and a lot of things that could save you. And now you don't want to take feelings as being, you know, hundred percent true either. Just like we see things that we aren't, we we make mistakes in what we see and hear all the time. Also, but it's like that's data to consider. What yeah. Yeah. What about them? It's not, that's rare. It's super, super rare. Like, what do you mean by that? Like psychopaths or sociopaths who don't feel anything. They have limited feelings. They do feel, but just not the feelings you want them to be feeling. And they have, that's why they have messed up lives. That's a, that's a great... That's a great. they get joy from it's a great, stabbing someone. They get zero joy out of it. That's actually kind of the problem. It's more like interesting. It. It's interesting. You, have, you don't fear. Your, your sensitivity to fear is incredibly low. And it's interesting, like a bug. That's weird. When you step something, it twitches. It's weird. Interesting. That's a psychopath. Their feelings are off. But it's like that show that that kind of goes to show my point of how important feelings are. Is when you're missing some, you're in trouble. And so is everyone around you. We hit we hit the idea of that trust, that religion also enables people to trust one another. That no matter how hard people have tried in the secular world to create secular systems of ethics like communism, well, all that resulted is 100 million people dead. Whereas religion is something that actually enables people to have less mental health problems. People suffer less depression when they have religion in their life. They suffer less anxiety. They do better academically. They have longer marriages. They have better businesses. It's like religion is such a stabilizing force because it enables people to trust one another. Is that why the Jews are known to like be like wealthier? That and we also have higher IQs. IQ correlates with success in life. Oh, okay. Our IQs are, are one is higher by one standard deviation, which is a lot. The tip of that iceberg is the idea of Pshara, Lifni Mishura Sadin, and Seichel Yashar. That when describing these ideas of Pshara as being compromised, being willing to hold two values simultaneously. Lifni Mishura Sadin is giving up your rights a little bit. Because, well, if you were going to interact in society, society has rules, and it can get rigid pretty quick. And you need things to be rigid. You need things to have rules. Society needs to exist to function. That's great. You just don't want to have tyrannies all over the place popping up, ruining everybody's life. So these halachas, what they enable us to do is to be less rigid and more flexible while maintaining the benefits of society, while, ben while maintaining the benefits of rule of law. And the last idea I kind of left with you guys last week was, again, this idea that all of Torah is based on human reason. The thing makes sense. 
to the point where our starting position actually is most halachas you need to keep are, they're not, most of them aren't even written down, was the point I was trying to make. Is that, that we're, we're obligated not to be, I mean, you put it, you put it great, you know, we're not, we're not supposed to be gullible. It's, it's an isidaraisi to be gullible. We have to research and learn more in our lives, develop ourselves intellectually, to accept that there is such a thing as common sense. And that carries a responsibility, because as soon as you are confronted with the idea that you're making your own halacha, it's like divine revelation in the human heart, based on you being able to interpret the world, what that means is you're actually able to interpret the world. You actually are able to take on a lot of responsibility, because you're someone who can. You know, you're, it's like, it's easy to be a victim, but you know what, maybe you're not a victim. Maybe you're both sometimes. You know, it's, 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 hard, it's a hard narrative to escape of, you know, the victim mentality. You know, bad things happen to people, sure enough. It's like, you know what, you're also not a victim. You're someone who's very strong. You're, pe- you're people who have survived a tremendous amount. You know, that's, that's something to take note of. It's easy, it's, easy to, it's easy to be too sensitive to how in the past bad things have happened and miss the fact you survived them. And maybe you were better for it in many ways. It might actually be you're better for it. And you have those tools and you have those abilities. And especially nowadays, man, there are so many, so, so many voices in society that are pushing this idea you're a victim. Wait, and you're, it's easy to what? It's easy to think you're a victim. Because there's too many voices in, in, in the society that are selling this idea you're a victim and you're owed something. And a part of it's true. You know, we, we do actually have hard times. But what's lost in that ideology is the idea that you are also a hero. And you're able to work out your life. And you're able to stand up to those challenges because you have those capabilities. You're not lost. You made it this far. You're not lost. And that's human reason. So you take it seriously from the most mundane to... It makes sense to get eight hours sleep. That's an obligation from the Torah. Just like it's an obligation of the Torah to work out how to have a happy marriage. And you can figure that out. You know, the story doesn't end. And you're not going to find these in halakha guidelines. There's no shulchan aruch that outlines those. But because it, it doesn't need to. You're able to work that out for yourself, and you can. That's what we've, that's what we've done thus far. That's, that's been our seven classes. Hi. Now you're up to date. Now you're up to date. Sorry, I'm sorry. I have to pass two classes. I didn't sit there, but that's cool. All right. Thank you. Maybe next class, like, questions. Like, I'm, throwing, throw, I'm, throw, class. I'm throwing a lot. So next question. Next, next class. Question? Yeah. Question class next time? Question class. About what we covered. You guys got the notes? Yeah. Can you send me the notes? Bring me, you know, attack it. Push me on it. Questions, comments. Let's make sense of this stuff. And it's like I, 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 think, I think it's a good way of summing. It's like I'm, I'm giving you a, a hero story. Mm-hmm. You guys are living a hero story. I like that. In, I in like literature, that all we talk about is hero's journey, hero's journey, hero's journey. Yeah. We don't realize we're living. You're living it. Yeah, so cool. All right, guys. I like that. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Chad.